I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to All Stats, Aren't We? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Alderson, the Dan James left-footed goal of the podcast. Well, I wasn't expecting to see that tonight. And I'm f- today I'm joined by the striker scoring against his former club of the podcast, kicking the badge as he runs towards the home support. It's Martin Riley. Martin, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing a lot better than the Swansea fans are after seeing two of their former players. It's in the back more. One of them kissing the badge and one of them pointing to the badge. So yeah, I'm doing better than they have have eaten already. Um, we had like a um an indoor barbecue, so we had like burgers and hot dogs, which was very good. How about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm alright, thank you. Yeah, I was I was thinking um. Uh, when when uh, the game ended, the cause like from where I live, like it's I I don't I'm not not really doing midweek games this year because going to midweek games because it's just like it's a lot of travel for a for a midweek night. But it's a lot less travel than the Swansea fans would have had to do after seeing their team lose three one at Ellen Road and like you say, see two of their former players, um, two of their former players score against them. And I think I think did Rodon nearly score? He did. Yeah, yeah. Towards the end, he came close. That would have been fun, but at least they get to take Matt Grimes home, so there is a positive for it's them. It's true, it's true. I guess pretty soon since the last pod, but is there is there any news to talk about this week or on this pod? Maybe just um, Pascal Strout coming off towards the end of the game. I think he looked like he maybe, I'm not sure if he was, if he was an injury or, injury or just a strain, but he was definitely holding um, his hamstring as he was coming off, I believe. So that's a potential miss for the weekend game, maybe. Um, but hopefully it's, it's okay and he can play. And it was just a precaution, but I guess we'll find out when we get the press conference, which I would guess will be tomorrow. But who knows? Yeah, I, it, it wasn't a positive one. I think like that's quite a big miss if yeah. if he hasn't played. I think it's, it's more. I think it's more noticeable in the build-up phases that he if Strauch's not playing. Yeah. And but I guess I guess defensively you've got Liam Cooper to come in to to shore up the back line. So I'm sure that'll be fine. <laughs> Indeed. Again, again, uh, not very easy opponents as well uh, coming up at the weekend. Borough is going to be a fun game. I think. I guess the the, the only other news maybe 
this well, I know we, we kind of touched on this um, in the spaces. So, um, but we'll touch on it again here. I don't, we might touch this later in the game, uh, later in the pod. But about Luke Aylin being fit but not in this match day squad. So, what did you make of that one, Martin? Yeah, that was. It wasn't really a surprise. I think I, I was expecting it to happen when Spence was back because there's only space for to have one right back on the bench and the one who's more likely to change a game, no disrespect to Luke Ayling, is um, Jed Spence. Um, and I'm quite surprised that he didn't come on, but we've got questions about that later, later on. But back to Ayling. It, I think what, what Fark said was, uh, I, think it, I think it was quite a tough decision for them to, to make. And one which he didn't want to do, but for the betterment of the team, I think it did have to happen. And there's no doubt at this moment in time that Spence is a better player than what Ailing is. Maybe Ailing was better once upon a time um, at certain things. But yeah, it's it's sad, sad to see the players who I love, like Ailing, what I do love. Well, Alm Hart is one of my favourite players of the last few years, and he was integral in us getting back to the Premier League. Um, so yeah, it's. Sad one that he's, he's out, out of the game, but hopefully he'll still play some part, even if it is behind the scenes, um, helping out the first-team squad, keeping morale up and all the rest of the things that goes with being the old guard. Yeah, I just my hope is that he will take it well um, and still yeah, contribute in a, in a dressing room uh, way because obviously there's been, there's been news in the past, or like rumours in the past, that Ailing was one of those that kind of was pushing for Bielsa's exit or he wasn't happy with the methods was he um so we know that he can could do that if he isn't happy but i'd like to think that he could see the team is having success when he understands the reasons that he's he's in a different place in his career now so i'd I'd like to think that he'll still contribute in a positive way and i'm sure he'll still play a fair few minutes and I guess if he if he does drop in whilst he's not being amazing this year you wouldn't really worry about him in in the way that you would in probably most other third choice right back coming into your team, would you? No, I wouldn't worry as 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 much. But when he played earlier in the season, yeah, he wasn't. He didn't look as good as what Gray has been doing, but he he wasn't an, an absolute bomb site either. Um, he, he will be able to do a job um for a game or two, and it will obviously weaken us a little bit because Gray has been really good, especially out of possession. Um, he's definitely a, an improvement on Ailing when it comes to defending. So yeah, it, it is there's worse players we could have for our third choice right back and probably second choice right centre back. So yeah, yeah, I think, I think there's definitely a world as well where Cresswell goes out on loan in January and Ailing is the backup to Rodon and plays a fair few minutes there, which I would be very uh, completely fine with him doing that. Me too. Uh, I think I'd probably prefer him at centre back. Weirdly enough, um, he, he seems to not have as much problems defending at centre back. I think it's probably because at, at right back you have more. Tricky wingers to deal with, um, taking them on, and centre backs don't do have to deal with that as often as right backs. Obviously, they still do have to deal with it, um, but it's not as quite as often. And his ball playing is good, which is yeah, the, the main thing which we want from ours as centre backs at the moment. I know the defending is, is still important, but with the way we, we play, we do need them to be very good ball players as well, which is something which I think he still has in in his locker at the moment. So I would be okay with him playing some games at centre-back if it needs to be. But obviously, I would prefer to have Roden. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a good, good ball carrying out from the back as well, which is always a nice little bonus for your centre-backs to have. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yeah. But I think I think Ailing at right centre-back in a back three under Bielsa is one of my favourite like 
things to happen in that Bielsa era. Like I, that, I, I always think about that game away at Sheffield United, uh, where we won one nil, and like Ailing just like just from right centre back just progressed the ball so much. It was, it was a, it's probably like little niche thing there, but I just absolutely loved it. It's one of my little games that I always come back to. No, but I know what you mean. Um, when he just play as a right side centre back in the back three, that is probably I say his best position there has been for for the past couple of years. Um, really, um, because of how good, because he is at carrying the ball when you're in the back three, there's not as much um, sole defensive onus on, on you, and you can get forward a little bit more, especially when, when you're one of the wider centre-backs who can press the ball, and he's he was very good at that at that point. So I can see why that sticks out to you, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, though, this isn't a pod about Luke Ayling. This is a pod where we review the 3-1 victory over Swansea at Ellen Road. So I will summarise the game for you all now. So, both teams approached the game with a 4-2-3-1 shape. The game started very hectic, which is probably underplaying it, um, with Leeds having a goal from Dan James ruled um, for offside. And this was immediately followed by Swansea quickly getting the ball forward and capitalising on a mistake by Pascal Strauch, with Patterson lobbing Melier from the edge of the box, making the score 1-0 in the first minute. This was followed in the fourth minute by Leeds scoring thanks to a mazy run from Somerville who passed Tipperow, who finished calmly on his weaker foot to make it one all. In the rest of the half, both sides had spells of possession with Swansea probably edging that possession battle but Leeds edging the t- chance creation with Leeds mainly threatening in transitional attacks with Sw- Swansea unable to create any good chances despite the dominance in possession. Just when it looked like the half was going to end one all, Ampadu picked out Rutter running beyond the defence with an inch-perfect long ball Rutter brought it down perfectly and his runs forward holding off the pressure from Humbreeze before calmly pass, pass, passing it past Rushworth with the half ending shortly after we've been 2-1 to Leeds. And again, that is completely underplaying that goal from Rutter. The second half continues in a similar vein with both teams having spells possession with Leeds looking the team more likely to score. This told in the 61st minute when Rutter set up Dan James who smashed the ball in the, to the net to make it 3-1 to Leeds. From here, Leeds edged the positional battle for the rest of the game, once again looking more like to score, with Swansea being unable to create some good chances. But despite Leeds having the better of the XG battle, the game ended 3-1. Let's get into this game then, Martin. So let's start in the most sensible place, which is the first half. Swansea were able to play around us quite easily for quite a lot of the half. Was there anything wrong with our pet press which caused this? I think there were a few things which weren't quite working the way that they have been doing in the past few games. And I'm, I'm, un, I'm undecided on whether this is to do with how Swansea were rotating their players around in their back line and if it was because our players weren't quite on it as much as maybe should have been. Maybe there's some tiredness at play. But obviously, I think Swansea also had a midweek game, so we can't really blame it on that, that side of things, really. But yeah, the... Sort of a bit too much space between the players at times when it came to, to the pressing, and maybe not as much aggressiveness as as what we have been seeing in recent games, and just players just being a little bit too, a little bit short of getting to the players that need to before the ball gets released or getting to the player who received the ball in time, and it it was meaning that Swansea were able to play for it quite well, and there was a few things I don't want to talk too much about there. Uh, in possession game, but rather that the, our in possession, we've got another question coming up about that, so we'll so talk about that shortly. But yeah, the the, the main problem with the Bud Press was that it, it wasn't as aggressive as what it needs to be. Um, feel free to call me Jesse Marsh here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 
one of those games where it just wasn't quite where it needed to be at the right moments. And there were some, some tweaks which were made going into the second half. But again, we'll cover that in the next one of the questions. I'm not sure if you are anything different to that in press. Nothing different, no. I think my my only thought to add on that is that it maybe it wasn't as like intense because we we kind of well you you guys highlighted this in the preview that I think if we went too high with the press that Swansea might be able to play f- um, play through it which would play into their hands really because it would it kind of sort of make these f- fake transitions as it as such which would um, kind of pl- it would play into their hands more than if we just sat back so then we we kind of end up in this situation where we weren't pressing high. Oh, we were like trying to press high, but not very well. And then, so they were getting that advantage anyway. Whereas if we just sat in a mid block or even maybe even deeper potentially, then I think we would have not seen them being able to play through that. Would you? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, the, the way the press was in the first half, it wasn't. It was just wasn't. It was kind of similar to the press which we had against Norwich, and it, yeah. just, it, it wasn't really a proper high press. It wasn't aggressive enough to causing problems so we may as well just sat back a little bit deeper and wait for them to press the ball to our half before pressing um yes i I would agree with that we probably could have done that it would have been as effective to be honest maybe more effective the other thing i noticed as well is that we've we've seen perot sitting on a pivot player in games recently and i I didn't feel like that was happening in the first half i think i saw him like pressing onto a center back he had two quite a lot um which I think that has when we've seen that in earlier in the season, that's caused us problems because uh, he just he's not he's he's a lot of things pro, but I don't think a presser is one of them, is it? Exactly. The, that's one thing he's not good at. I don't think it is the pressing side of the game, which we have I have talked about before. It's fine. All players have weaknesses in their game. No player in the championship is perfect at everything in the game. Besides maybe Jorginho Rutter. Yeah, but... <laughs> he beat me to that one <laughs> at the moment. Anyway, at least in this game, he was perfect. Um, but yeah, it's. One of those things, which I think it will, we will have games like this where the press isn't as effective and we have to make some changes to make it more effective, yeah. So we've talked about our out-of-possession approach in that first half, but would you say that was the only reason that Swansea was possession, uh, possession for Swansea's possession dominance in that first half, or do you think there was other things that they did? I think they were quite good in the way they were m- moving around the ball and there was especially a few different interchanges which um, was causing our press problems and players not being sure who to mark who and when. Uh, their, um, I want to say their right back, was it Key right back? Oh, I think left back. But I'm, I'm getting my players mixed up. But yeah, uh, Key, who was playing it, he, he was getting quite high um, in possession. And that was causing the problems because that nominally would have been Somerville's man. And yeah. so because he was getting so high, Somerville was following him and get, getting quite deep in there. I think that, that took him away from the high press at times. And that's some, one of the things which has worked in recent games is uh, Somerville joining Rutter in the first part of the press with Perot behind. But because Somerville was tracking key to keep to make sure he wasn't in play, he wasn't able to quite often. He, he was escaping him. Um, but yeah, that that did cause issues with that, and they were able to get that out ball quite often. And that was one of the areas which they, they used to get out was getting it over to Key quickly, and he was quite effective in that and helped them to get forward. And there's also a few other factors in play. Um, is it? I want to say Jamie Patterson, the yeah. midfielder. Yeah, yeah, Jamie Patterson. I know it's Patterson, but I want to try if it was Jamie. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so Patterson, he was at the midfielder, and. 
Lampadu was marking him for most of the game in that position of the pitch. However, Patterson was moving into wide spaces quite often. And when Patterson was doing this, Ampadu wasn't following him, which is fair because he doesn't want to move too far away from the centre of the pitch. So he needs to give the added protection there. However, what was happening was Patterson was moving out wide and then like a minute or so later, he'd moved back central and Ampadu wasn't picking up that movement back into the middle which yeah. left him open to receive the ball quite often in in those sort of areas and Ampadu wasn't able to pick it up and so there's quite a few different rotations which they had which they had going and the sort of wider players were moving central quite often I noticed the other fullback I think um, I forget what his name is but their other fullback was also Josh coming... Tiemann Tiemann that's it that's it yeah yeah, yeah Josh Tiemann yeah. yeah he was left back actually so it was key who was right back yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, he was inverting as well, which was causing causing us issues. As well, it was James who was marking him, so he he was coming narrow. And when he came narrow, the their winger dropped deep, deeper in, into wider areas to pick up. So there's those little rotations going, which really kept our press guessing. And I think it took us longer than normal to adjust to that. And that that was one of the big reasons I think why. Swansea were able to possess the ball quite well, especially between like the 15th and I want to say nearly going to the 40th minute. For a good 15 minutes, they were able to dominate the ball and it did take some time to work out who to mark and when, I think. It was, yeah, it's it's interesting how you um, pointed out the out balls on both sides because like that was was a thing I really noticed that we quite often had like the two strikers around one or both of the centre backs and then maybe. I don't know, even sometimes like one of the wingers was there as well. And, but there was always like an out ball on either side that they could get it out. So it's like, we were then like three players cut, sort of committed very high up the pitch and then Swansea able to break on us. So yeah, I think I, I could, I didn't actually re- like focus on that, why that was happening. So I'm, I'm glad you broken that down because it was definitely something I, I noticed. There was um one fact, we've kind of, I'm going to skip ahead in the running order uh, here, Martin, but I think... It might link to something you talk about about Ampadu and how Patterson was moving to the wing and back out because I think Glenn Kamara in that first half was noticed by quite a lot of people for probably maybe maybe arguably being one of his wor- worst performances since he's kind of came into the team and a lot of that was out was probably focused on his in possession game but I think the out of possession aspect is probably playing into that so we've had a question from. The lovely Jacob Stanbridge, who said, Glenn Kamara in the first half, what was Fark trying to do? Why didn't it work? And what changed in the second half? And you've we noticed noted on the running order very nicely for me that he was re- referring to in possession, but I think the out of possession bit was probably the key bit here, which was causing the in possession issues. Would you agree with that? Well, to be honest, when I, I read the question from Jacob, I, I made sure to give um, Kamara special attention in, in the rewatch. And I I didn't notice him doing anything majorly different to normal, um, and I think overall he had a good game. Um, I, I really liked a lot of the things he was doing. He was especially in the final third. He was create, creating a lot of good things and getting forward. There were some issues out of possession, um, where he was getting mixed up with which player to mark and when, and I think that was what's part of the wider press issue. So I wouldn't put that majorly on Kamara himself because of the few players who weren't sure when to mark and move into different areas and whatnot because there was so much rotation going in Swansea's attackers and their midfields and even defenders. Their centre-back Humphreys was 
watching forward as well at times, which which caused issues with um, the strikers marketing, whether they should follow him. And when he did that, uh, their left-back Tiemann would pop back to cover in, in, into the centre-back spot. So there was a lot of different things going on. And like I said, it, mentioned, it took us some time to adjust to it. But with regards to Cameron, I just felt he just generally had a, a, a good game, better in the second half than the first half. Uh, yeah, I think that was. I think that was more like a wider team thing rather than a just camera thing. There was less options for him on the ball. They were sticking quite close to what camera was doing quite often on in possession. So that it was almost a man-to-man marking at points, especially on our midfielders. They often had someone close by to Ampadu and camera, so our midfielders were often that they marked which meant that they didn't have as much time on the ball, and usually those are the sort of situations which Camera excels in. Um, but I think the midfielders that were marking them are also quite good, because um, you've got Grimes and you've got... Um, who, who's your, your midfielder? Fulton. That's it, Fulton. Fulton. He's, a, yeah. he's, a, he's a decent out-of-possession player. I don't, I don't rate him too much on the ball, but out-of-possession, he's very good at what he does. And he's good at closing down players and making sure they can't get a pass away. And I think that affected Camera because he he was one who was being marked by Fulton quite often. So I do think that will, will have affected some parts, especially in the first half while we were still getting to grips with what Wanzi were doing. But then once the whole team got to grips with what Wanzi were doing out of possession, Camera's game shined through even more. Uh, he had the most progressive passes on the pitch with eight progressive passes. He had the most key passes, so he set, set up the most shots, which is not something which he often does. Um, I think he had five, and Somerville only had four, just to put All some right. contrast on that, on that. So a lot, it was lower XG numbers than what we're talking from Somerville's ones because most of the shots he was setting up were from a little bit further away. But yeah, it, it, he, he did do a lot of good things in this game, I felt, and... On top of that, he also had the highest pass completion in the team, higher than even the centre-backs, which is quite rare for us. Usually it is um, one of the two centre-backs who has the highest, highest pass completion. He had um, he completed 94% of his passes, so he, he only failed with three passes out of 54 attempted. So yeah, I felt he's had, had a good game overall, so it's quite rare that I disagree with um, the premise of Jacob's question. <laughs> but yes, apologies, Jacob. Yeah. I I am going to agree with the premise of Jacob's question mostly. I think there's a probably a middle ground between between where Jacob was, and I mean we're probably being too harsh on Jacob's opinion on Glenn Kamara's game last night and um, what what your answer was. But I think from what I saw, Kamara was pressing onto Fulton, um, and it it kind of left him in sort of positions where he wasn't really impacting the game. This is the first half mainly. I think the second half he was fine. Um, I thought he was good, uh, but he was like pr- trying to press on and then like not doing anything with that press, then whilst he was like retaining possession, I don't think he was impacting the game. It it did, yeah, it really reminded me of like Gruever at Stoke. He just felt like in the middle of it all without really doing anything. Um, but yeah, that's the second half he was like, I thought he was good. He was very like press resistant, um, pl- played the ball well. So yeah, I think it was, it was probably overstated about how Bad, a bad Kamara was in the first half, mainly because I think he's just been so good in all the other games. I think, yeah, that's I think quite that's a possi- possibility. And I think also another yeah. thing which about the out-of-possession things with Kamara's game was that because, like like you mentioned earlier, that Perot started off marking one of the midfielders, but then he sort of moved further forward and was was pushing onto their centre-backs. And when he was do- doing that, um, Kamara was also pushing 
further up to a comp to make sure those midfielders were being picked up. So he was almost yeah. having to mark two midfielders. Um, but yeah, by himself, by himself at times because you had Ampadu who was deeper, who was monitoring Ferguson. So because Barrow yeah. was pushing forward, it, it left Camera to try to cover both of the central midfielders of Swansea, which <laughs> he's a good player as Camera, but he can't cover two players simultaneously. Um, yeah, but yeah. So it did, like I mentioned, these issues were sorted out by the second half, which led to Camera's game generally improving because the rest of the team improved. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about Archer there that he was covering for Piro, which is a good point and does explain why he was where he was. Um, I, th- I think a part of it was highlighted as well because he just felt like Ampadu and Byron had so much to do because of his positioning, but it's, it's hard to know if it was how much it was Piro's fault and how much of it was like just Swansea doing doing good stuff. Um yeah, and then I guess true. yeah with, with with Swansea possessing the ball more he like he doesn't leave space for Kamara to do the things that Kamara's good at. So yeah. I but I, th- I think yeah I would say it's overstated how about how bad he was because he and he was he was good in the second half so um and I'm sure I'm sure it'd be good for the rest of the season. I don't worry about Glenn Kamara at all. No. Me, me neither. Let's finish off the first half analysis then, because I've I kind of jumped ahead there. So, despite Swansea having the possession dominance, they actually only created 0.25 xG in the first half, and nearly half of this was the goal, which came from a mistake. So, we've had a question from one of our editors, Paul, and he said, "Was Swansea bad at creating big chances from their possession, or were we good at stopping their possession turning into a big chance?" I think a lot of it was was on us defending well in the deeper areas. I think. Both centre backs defended well in individual moments, and uh, I think other than a couple of moments, Gray also defended quite well, and he had probably the toughest player to mark on 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 the on the team. He had um, Lowe, who is probably their most threatening player on a yeah. v one basis. So he had the one the toughest one to mark, and he did, did a good job of keeping him quiet in this game. And but there is also some onus on Swansea that they didn't really do a whole lot with the, the amount of possession that they had, especially in the first half. They should have done more of it, in my opinion. There were moments where they weren't committing enough players forward, so when they were getting the ball around the box, there was, wasn't was really anyone to get the ball to who was making good runs. There was maybe two, um, two sometimes three at the most. And if you look at the amount of players that we get into the box, when we get there, we we generally have Perot, Ruter, Somerville, James... And sometimes one of the midfielders as well. So we we generally we, we try to get four or five players in the round box. And the main players from Swansea who were looking to get into the box was Asun, but he was usually the one who was starting off the players in the first first place, so he couldn't get there in time. And then you would have Lowe trying to get in there, and then that their striker whose name escapes me. I want and me. Um, uh, Jerry Yates. Yates, Yates, that's yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> so they had Yates and they had Lowe and they had Cooper who was making good runs, but it was only really those three who were getting into the box. So there wasn't enough players to aim for when, when they got it around there, which meant they were able to get through our press yeah, to, to the final third. And then when it came to the final third, either we defended well or they made the, or they made the wrong choice or didn't commit the right players forward at the right time. I mean, I can understand why they didn't want to commit too many forward because we're probably the most dangerous team in the championship when it comes to hitting in transition. But yep. they still didn't make the most of the possession which they had, and they ended up paying for it because we <laughs> put them open right on the cusp of half time and scored ourselves. So yeah, it's 
it's unfortunate for them because they did do a lot of good things. I felt I re- did really like a lot, a lot of the way they were getting around our press, and they do seem to be a good team, especially in the build-up. But I think they do work too around the final third. Yeah, I think they were they were good in the build-up, um, and they were good in the middle third. I think when we were in a settled block, I don't think they really had any ideas of what to do, which so which which obviously helped and. Completely agree with everything you said about us defending well. I would, I'd like to highlight Rodon as well. I just thought there was, when there was sort of a sniff sometimes of chance of Swansea having a chance, he kind of cleared up those chances pretty well, yeah, uh, which I've seen him do plenty of times this season. Like if Strauch was, if the ball kind of got in behind Strauch, he was quite good at clearing that up. So yeah, I, th- I think he was particularly good last night. If, would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. He was, he was very good, was Rodon. Um, he is one of the players at the moment who has generally been quite consistent. He didn't have that great of a game in the previous match, but that was not long enough to play in quite a few games in the international break. So, yeah, there's a lot of games that he's been playing and he did well over this game, I felt. And to be fair, the brother Strauch, if you take if you take away the mistake at the start, which is hard to take away because it was a, a big one, um, but we will talk more about Strauch a bit later on, I think. Oh, we, well, let's come on to that now whilst we're there. Shall we on um, so... Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, like you say, Stroud got off to a bad start this game, so he made a mistake, which Swansea obviously scored from. And we've seen in the past that Stroud's had these errors and it's affected him quite a lot, causing issues later in the game. So you've kind of hinted that you answer already, but do you think he responded well to to the, that error in the first minute? I do. I, I do think that he did do well after after that mistake. It's no hiding that it was a bad error from him. Um Although it's quite early in the game, it then just how quickly it moved from on Sunday's side to being an offside goal and then straight straight forward again. It, it still was a bit, bit of a sloppy back of the back. It, if he would have just left it, I think Roden had that cleared. Um, so yeah, it's, it was an unfortunate mistake from him. But I just do felt like he didn't let it affect his game like he has done in previous matches. Because um, that is what's something which, like we said in the question, generally when Strauch makes a mistake, especially quite early in the game, he it, it it can sometimes snowball and he, he look, makes other little small mistakes. But I do think he, he generally looked assured both in and out of possession. Especially, I think it, this uh, the more the game went on, the better he got. Yeah. I think in the first half, just like a lot of players, a lot of players, especially in possession, it was a bit tough because Swansea were doing a good job at putting us under pressure in, in the right areas, which did limit options for them to pass to. But I think that the longer the game went on, the more solid he looked in this game, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a testament for like how his confidence has improved this year, um, mainly for having a settled position and a coach that actually knows what he's doing. That um, he just it didn't let that mistake in the first half affect him. You could, I mean, like, it's, it's, you could say, like, his, his defender was good, but I just think he makes such a difference to our in-possession play compared to when you go down to, like, Cooper. Like, the, the build-up just struggles without him, I think. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I've been... I think I think on all stats, we will always be big, big supporters of Pascal, but he's... Despite that error in the first minute, I was impressed with him last night, and I have been all season. Yeah, that's, that I have as well, and I'm... Well. Pretty much the same as all the rest of the all sat guys. Like we said, everyone loves him. Um, but also, we all love Joe, Joe Roden. We've got a single yes. person who has anything bad to say about about Roden. It's just yeah, Scal being with us for a, a little bit longer, <laughs> so we've got yeah. a bit more of a bond with him. And um, where I think a lot of fans some sometimes struggle to let go of past performances, and you've got to remember the performances that we've been having over the past couple of years. 
well, well, have been quite bad with Marsh and towards the end of Bielsa's tenure. Uh, these sort of things don't reflect what a player can look like in a good team and in a good, in a good environment and doing well. Yeah. And that is what we're seeing from Strout now is a player who's played with confidence and more maturity as well. I think he's yeah. matured a lot. Well, he's had a lot of experiences in the in a relatively short career because you think that he only started playing properly in the first season in the Premier League. He only played, what, one or two games in the Championship before we got promoted? He kind of, when Phillips got injured in the lockdown period, that was kind of his first run, wasn't it, really, of games? Yeah. And that, that was in Holder midfield, was it? Oh, it would have yes. been Phillips being injured, surely. Yeah, I think I, th- I think so. I think he maybe played one game at centre back, and the other games were in defensive midfield. Um, but yeah, the, the, in in the first Premier League season, he he was in there from the start. He, he was playing in the opening game against Liverpool. Yeah, <laughs> and I th- I'm not sure how many professional games he'd played by that point. But yeah, he did. so he's he's gone through a lot in about three seasons as a footballer. And the highs of of us finishing ninth in the Premier League and getting some scalps along the way to just surviving relegation in the second season and then to get relegated in the third season. So he's had a lot of experiences in the player and these sort of experiences are good at shaping a player and making them respond well to bad circumstances. I mean, if you look at um, Ampadu, he's been relegated with a few different sides in the past few years. He's He was relegated twice in Serie A with the teams that he played for there. And before that, he was relegated with Sheffield United. So these sort yeah. of experiences shape a player, and for the players to have gone through these quite, these things quite early in the career, it can it should generally lead to good things later in the career because they've gone through probably the worst sort of things that can happen to a player professionally, other than getting really bad long term injuries. But yeah, it's a it's a, it's a sign of of good things for the future, in my opinion, when it comes to track. Yeah, he's he's probably gone through as much in a career uh, in a few years as most players go through in an entire career. Yeah, exactly. So, and I also think that if someone could play a left back for a Jesse Marsh team and come off still positive, then what? What else is there to do? Um, he could have scored as well. That's actually the crazy thing that he was playing out of position for most of the start of last season, and he was one of the players who came out away with any credit. Um, but then he kind of forgot how to play centre back, <laughs> which is a shame. Um, but yeah. The team was a mess last year. Let's let's be real. Yeah, like I struggled to get on board with criticism of Strout last year, where he was playing left back for half the year, then he was playing centre back in a Jesse Marsh team, and then whatever happened after Jesse Marsh left. So, yeah, I think what we're seeing now is what what we all think Pascal Strout is capable of, in, including the header. I'll include, but mo- or mostly good stuff. So, I will never let people criticize my boy Pascal. I mean, I've. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, let's talk about the second half then. So we were able to impose ourselves on Swansea a lot more in the second half. Did anything change in our out possession at halftime, Martin? Um, well, I think that one of the main things, I think it actually may have started before the second half, was um, Byron was getting more aggressive forward and noticing more uh, their right-back key getting forward and affecting play. So he was getting quite aggressively onto key. I noticed towards the end of the first half, which sort of coincided with us having a little spell of possession towards the end. So that I think that a few different, a few, a few little things happened towards the end of the first half, like, like this what I mentioned. There's players who were getting used to which players were moving where and who they should mark in those circumstances when they did rotate. There will be obviously the players will have been talking to each other as the game went on, saying little things in moments, say just watch this player doing this and whatnot. And I think that helped us squad the end of the half get that in place. And then in the second half, we were just generally just that little bit more aggressive in in the way we we were approaching things. We were moving players onto the receivers faster. And the players were getting there in in good time to be able to put the pressure on, stop Swansea getting the ball forward, and it did generally mean that Swansea weren't able to get have as longer periods of settled possession as what they did have in the first half. So it wasn't really anything major which changed; just a few different tweaks. And the big, but the biggest tweak was Byron pushing f- further forward. And I think similar may have also happened with Gray um, pushing forward on, on onto the winger. Because it was the wing on 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 Gray's side and the fullback on the other side, which Byron was was looking at, which is a bit different to the way they normally do. Because normally Byron would, would be pushing onto the winger, but because their wing was inverting, he, he was sort of being picked up by by someone else at that time. So it's more 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 small tweaks than anything major, as well as a bit of a step up in aggression, just maybe getting marshing it up a bit. This is not me trying to discredit your entire answer, Martin, but. Could the fact that we were winning two one be the difference here? That also will just, just come into play, but we also yeah. were at pressing in, in in general. Um, but they were still doing a similar sort of things to what they were doing in the first half. Obviously, game state will have affected it. Um, game state always affects the game, um, but I think it also coincided with us doing better, and that started before we were two one up. Like I mentioned, we uh, the, the tweak for Byron pushing forward was before, and the game state changed to. A winning game state for us, so it's, so it started before before that, and it continued after. Yeah, that what that I for what it's worth, I completely agree. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I know you are. Don't worry. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about in that second half, Martin, or should we talk about a few of the players in a bit more detail? I, no, I'm comfortable moving on to the players now. I think we've covered quite most of the things which happened, um, both in and out of possession for both teams. So yeah, I'm just move on to some individuals. Cool. So. One player who we're going to talk about, despite the fact that he didn't play, is Jed Spence. So I guess when we saw him on the bench, we expected to make him to see him come on as a sub. So can you think of any reasons why he didn't come on? Honestly, no. <laughs> Honestly, I, I can't understand why he wouldn't have been brought on in the situation, especially when we went three one up. Um, it's the perfect scenario for him to come in. Yeah, um, and I, I think it would have been a, been good to get him on, on the pitch and get some minutes into his legs because he's been out for a while now and he he, he needs to play some football to get back to playing fitness. Especially we've got a game on Saturday as well. Like you want to yeah. rest Gray 
So like it seems like the mm-hmm. perfect opportunity to bring Spence on for a f- even a few minutes just to get him back back out on the pitch. The only thing I can think of is around about the 70th minute and I think Swansea were getting quite aggressive with players. I think maybe there were some signs of frustration. Um, I noticed quite, noticed quite a few little cynical late challenges which were, which were happening. And the only thing I can think of is maybe he didn't want to expose um, Spence to that. He didn't want to risk him picking up an injury with Swansea players getting a bit frustrated and it's because Spence is a player who is likely to embarrass people at times. <laughs> he is someone who will get fouled quite often because he, he, he does love to burst forward and the only thing that players can generally do when players have got pace is to bring them down soon to get the chance. So that is maybe the, the only thing that I can think of as to why because Swansea ups um, that, their aggressiveness and more frustration than anything which maybe caused it. But that's just me guessing. <laughs> yeah, my my when I when um I first saw this question when you sort of the running order earlier today was perhaps he wasn't fit enough to to have minutes, and then that just seems like a ridiculous situation because you've got a fit Luke Alien on the bench now. I know yeah. Spence is better than Alien, but why would you not play? It? Surely that is not a good thing to have fit Alien not in the squad and Spence who can't play minutes on the bench so yeah I think he definitely will have been capable I I don't think he would have been on the bench if the medical team didn't think that he could handle at least 15 minutes which I think would be fine even if it was 10 minutes just to get some some play minutes into into him so so I I don't think that one goes anywhere because imagine in fact just imagine how annoyed Aileen's going to be exactly yeah you you, you took me out of the team altogether and then you didn't didn't even use the guy who who you put on him in place I don't imagine that would frustrate him. It would. It would if I was in his shoes. It's like, yeah, yeah. why didn't you? I'm sure they will. They will have given that explanation as to why that happened. But still, that little bit frustrating. The only other thing I could think as well um, was that uh, I think low for Swansea is probably their their player that probably back to cause teams the most issues. And obviously, three one is we we were winning quite comfortably at that point. But one goal suddenly turns that game, and it was probably you back low to be involved in that in somehow so maybe if yeah. gray is kept low in check pretty much the entire game you just go look i know it'd be nice to get spence minutes but let's just win the game here and also if you think, consider who was brought on to replace low i think he was brought on to replace low i think i think did low well, i don't think it. he went off did he uh, I know Blasi was brought on, and he, and he was playing on the on the side where he uh, yes. was. Yes, yeah, but Blasi was definitely over there as well. I think maybe even doubling. Oh up. no, no, he came on on for Yates, so they, they, so they must have moved around where Low was. Maybe shifted him over to the other, other flank. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe that was something which was on on Mark's mind as well was that they had Blasi to come on, and he didn't want that to cut because it. But to be fair to Blasi, he did cause us some. It could have caused us some problems. He he did look quite dangerous. Say so he hasn't played any minutes since May. Uh, so yeah, I think he's not played in made... Turkey, or have I, did I misread? He that hasn't played a competitive game since May. In, oh, okay, he, he played um, in the Turkish second tier. Right. Okay. So, so yeah, the last game was when their their season ended, and he hasn't been picked up um, until until now. So yeah, he's not he's not played anything competitively since May. So a long time away. Fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, that that with with Gray sort of defending well. Just to retain the lead, that was probably the most logical idea I came up with. Mm-hmm. I agree personally. with that. Yeah. But yeah, it would be nice to see him if we are leading on Saturday to get a few minutes. Fingers crossed, because I, I just want to see with the team. He's an exciting player. Of course. Couple of questions to finish then. So, first question Who do you think struggled in this game for Leeds? So, I think a, a lot of the players struggled in the first half, especially with the way that Swansea 
awkward sending out of possession. Um, it, it did have, have an impact on Ampadu. I think overall, Ampadu didn't have a great game, which I think it was made into a good game by his assist for yeah. to goal, which really saved his game, to be honest. If that wouldn't have happened, it would have been quite a bad game for Ampadu. I think he's one who would pick up, especially by his usual levels of performance, more than anything. I think maybe if it was someone else, we'd look at him and think, oh, he's having a good game. If it was, say, Groove, who'd come on and give him that performance, then we'd think, oh, that's a decent performance by Groove. But for Ampadu's normal levels, that's quite low. So, yeah, by his normal levels, Ampadu is one. Um, and in the attacking side of things, I didn't really say, maybe a similar scenario with James. I think if he hadn't have scored, scored that goal, I think he also wouldn't have been far into his normal levels. I'd agree with that, yeah. He's doing the typical Dan, Dan James things of being on the right wing, cutting inside onto his left and shooting, shooting with his weak foot from outside the box, which never works. <laughs> it will work at some point, I'm sure, because... He scored with his left foot, Martin. Yeah, oh. but inside the box. <laughs> I'm saying outside the box here. Keep up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think if it wasn't for him scoring that goal, we was also a very well-taken goal. Yeah, I'll give him some points for that because it was a good run as well. He, he had a fair bit to do after he received the ball. It, it wasn't an easy finish by any, by any stretch and I think he did just last his foot on his weak foot inside the box really but it would still look well played by him so he was the only other one and because of that goal, because of that goal you can't really say he had a bad game but most of the game he did and those are the main ones I can think maybe some of the players who came off the bench could have, could have done a bit more with the, with the time that they had um, I didn't think that Anthony and Nonto did enough to exploit the space which Swansea were leaving later in the game um, I kind of expected a bit more from Nonto in the space that was there. Um, so yeah. those were the only other things I could I could say which could have been a bit better, in my opinion. I'm not sure if you could think of many others. I, I kind of touched upon Kamara's first half in my answer. I was a bit down on that. I know you were happy with him, but I was a bit down on his first half performance. But yeah, he was good in the second half. Um, I'd agree completely with what you said about Ampadu. I think that's fair. Um, and then... I'd also agree with Nonto, and I think there's actually I'm getting to the point in Nonto where like and I think a few fans might be where I'm, I'm like if he goes in January it's fine. I, I don't think he's yeah impacting games when he comes on and he, the money you could get for him it's like I think it wouldn't be one that would annoy me that much. I think this is probably a longer discussion for another pod, but yeah, I think it's get it's getting to the point in Nonto where whilst you obviously expect him to do stuff because he's a great player, but I just. He's not someone that you want to be keeping on the bench. I mean, you could sell him and maybe get someone else in that could do a job. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's also a point of um, get, having a different profile in the squad because we're quite overloaded with um, players who are effective on the left wing and not as effective on the right wing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only player we've got, really, who is effective on the right wing at the moment is Stan James, which <laughs> says, yeah. says quite a lot considering who would have our, thought our opinions. <laughs> I know. Considering historically our opinions on Dan James on this pod, have been quite poor, um, but yeah, he's definitely our most effective option on the right of midfield at the moment. Um, Adam may not agree entirely; he's maybe the only one who may tend to that. Um, but even he may may not be able to argue it because he's been in Nick this, this season as, as Dan. Um, but yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be averse to having a left-footed right winger come in who can cut inside and make issues, especially with the return of Spence coming into the squad. We kind of need someone who. And give that sort of dynamic way they can be comfortable cutting inside from the right right flank with leaving the flank open for Spence to get forward. So yeah, I would be okay with Nonto being moved on if we were to get a decent offer for him. It would need to be a decent offer because yeah. he's definitely a massively talented player. 
lad know, but we've we're very much blessed with players who are also talented and in form. Um, yeah, but I would, would maybe like to see him given being given more minutes before that happens. Mm-hmm. though, just to give him a chance from the start of the game rather than towards the end. That's um, true. Yeah, I do, that's fair. Because uh, he hasn't. I think he had a start over than the cup. Try if he has. Me- what this season? Yeah. He's not starting the first game against Cardiff. Let me just. No, he would have done. Oh, maybe he did. No, he did start against Cardiff. And And then he he went. Then he went on his strike thing, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. He started. Where is his stats? He has got six stats actually. (laughs) I I do not remember six games where he started. I couldn't have told you six games. No, no, I I wouldn't have said that either. And we're just often forgetting he's still nineteen years old. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he's he's so young. Um, yeah. Obviously, we have someone who's younger than than him playing regularly, so <laughs> it's no excuse. But we do need to see a little bit more from him from his bench appearances. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't hurt us to see him from the start and rest one of the attackers. And then, if we need to, we can bring them on. So I'm sure in that busy December period, we'll see him start at least two games. Because I hope so. That's that's just how it works in December, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Who do you feel excelled in this game then, Martin? To flip the first question, I'll flip the previous question. Well, I think you're probably going to know my first name. <laughs> my, <time. laughs> um, my lovely Georgie. Uh, he was just fantastic in this game. Um, even if you take away the goals that he had, he was just doing all the usual things which you want from Georgie. Um, dropping deep, um, carrying the ball through amazing players somehow. I still can't work out how he does it sometimes. He just somehow see his ability to dribble, like his weight of pass is always spot on. I know it's stuff we just say every week, but like it's just great, isn't it? Yeah, he just really is, and he's he's playing with such positivity. And the way he took his goal, um, we I can't put it in words how good that goal was. It was, I don't think anyone, even I, wasn't expecting him to do that. No, because I, it's it, was, like it was beyond what I thought he could do. It was incredible. Yeah, because the the pass was not easy to bring down. Uh, it was a very good pass by Ampadu. But it, by any world, it wasn't easy, especially because it was dropping immediately over his shoulder. So he yeah. he had very little time to see it drop, be able to position his foot well. And he just stopped it dead and then continued carrying it forward. Just can't, I can't put words on how good it was. I watch quite a lot of American football, and you see like quite often wide receivers like catching the ball over the shoulder, and I'm like, bloody hell, how they've done that? Well, Rutter's done that with his foot. And control it perfectly in stride with a defender on him. Like it's it's absurd how good it is. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people say that the defending was bad. It wasn't. It was just because how good what are you supposed to do was. there. You can't do anything because yeah. if you put on too much pressure, you give away a penalty. Uh, yes, yeah. you, 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 it's impossible to, to defend against. Is that? Yeah, you yeah. could maybe try to make it. Anything you do is going to be last ditch. It's it's going to either win the ball in spectacular style or give away a penalty. That's yeah. the only, only thing you can do. And and it just there wasn't enough time for the defenders to really think about it. It happened also also quickly, and the, the, the finish was very good as well. Just, yeah, the composure of the finish was in, as well, not as impressive, but like to do that and then have still have the presence to slot it away. Because I don't think I know Rutter probably could have controlled that ball at points if he'd have played last year, but I don't think he'd have finished like that. Because I think he just shows his confidence, doesn't it? It is something which I did pick out um, when I was watching him at Hoffenheim before he came to us, um, was that he was able to bring down long balls with ease, but <laughs> not in this sort of... <laughs> I never saw anything to this level um, of him doing, and it was 
one little thing which I'll, it'll stick in my mind for a long time. And anyone who is still saying that he can't play as a centre forward for us after seeing that goal, they really want their head checking. Just book yourself into the ne- nearest mental home because there's something wrong with your brain. My dad and my brother last night, they both came out with the Rutter 9, Piro 10 classic comment, and I just sat there in the co- corner just like shaking my head. It's like, you, f- you fucking morons. <laughs> exactly. It's it's just, it, people seem to let, let go of the old, the old-fashioned positions. I mean, we refer to them quite often strikers and attacking midfielders and whatnot, but it's just more about the roles that they play. And even though this was a goal we're talking about, that isn't Rutter's role in the squad. His role in the squad is the creator. And that shows because yeah. he, he also, I think he had two big chances created in this game. One with one scored from. Was the first minute one? Was that his? Was like was James offside when the ball went, or was it like a like say was it Rutter's that one, gone one, too one, late? Or yeah, I think was it was James, it was James who was offside. I'm pretty sure. I don't think. Yeah, but was it like James's off? Was it James's fault for like the offside, or was it Rutter's fault? Because like, is that one of the big chances that was created? Well, I don't think you can really put it on Rutter because it, with those sort of situations, the attacker just needs to stay behind the player yeah. who's passing the ball. It's on no one but James. It, it was very tight, I will say that. I watched it over and over, that one, just, just to see if it was offside. It did, I think it was just offside, but it was difficult to tell because the only angle we had was the one which was like from it, behind and slightly yes. turns. So it was difficult. It wasn't head on. So, yeah, it was fun. But, yeah, that, that, who, who, who impressed you in this game? Uh, yeah, this question wasn't about Rutter. This was about players that excelled. But I just, I was just teeing you up to talk about Rutter there. I'll, I'll, I'll run through <laughs> some other players. Um, so I think we've talked about Stroik and Rodon already. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. any more there. I've got Rutter written down, but I'm just, I'm going to leave that to you. But there was, I, I was quite impressed with Perot last night. I not his out of possession yeah. stuff, but his, I thought his in possession play was good. I think he held the ball up really nicely and like linked the play up. Obviously, his finish was great. Um, and I, I think it was a big win for the Drutter Nine Piro Ten people yeah. that are on that because I, I thought I thought they linked up really well. It was it was probably the one of the games where I've been most impressed with that, which is probably not something that initially stood out from the game. But would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I, I felt he had a good game and was able to link up well with with not just Rutter, he was also able to link up well with both wingers as well. There was some good movement going on, especially when we were hitting when he was in transition. He would drop deep and then just lay the ball up nicely for one of the wingers to run onto, which was really good. And no, he can't quite keep up with the pace <laughs> of our wingers, um, who can really. Um, but yeah, he, he did definitely have a good game and he excelled well in this game in what the role which he has, which is to link up play deeper and then move late into the box to get chances. And in this one, he wasn't running through late, but he still he made a very good run for his goal as well. I will say it's timed perfectly and sort of awesome. We'll have to do was just lay it nicely into, into the channel for him and he, he finished it on. I don't know if you can even call it his weak foot because he doesn't have a weak foot. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't appear to anyway. I think he scored yeah. maybe an, an an equal number of goals with both feet this this season, I believe. Um, so he's he's doing. It sounds right. I'm, I I have not got that stat to hand, but it sounds right. So um, yeah, I'd completely agree with that. It can't be exactly the same because he scored seven goals, but yeah. So maybe score on his head. He's left, and yeah, one with his head was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's 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 doing very well. I did enjoy his game, and it's good that him and Rutera finding each other more often. 
Lovely stuff. I think that's enough discussion about Swansea um, for Indeed. tonight. Um, and obviously, we've got to record. Well, not me. I'm I'm leaving now. I'm leaving you to it. But we've uh, you guys have got to record the Middlesbrough preview as well because we've got a quick turnaround this week. Indeed. I'll do a quick Patreon plug before we head off. So throughout the season, we've been putting out some bonus content uh, on our Patreon platform. And Patreon, for those that don't know, is a media platform which you can show support to creators who you enjoy and you get bonus content in return. We put out some Patreon-only podcasts and analysis articles and videos, and our patrons also get our podcasts ad-free and early access to our preview episodes. And the funds that we get from our Patreon, we use to pay for opposition fans' interviews, and it just I think it just, when we have those fans on, it really improves the quality of the preview pods. Um yeah. And it also completely helps our, um, us all out because whilst we can watch some matches from um, other teams, we only watch one or two. Whereas, like, I think the the view you get from a fan is usually much more accurate if they are they, if they are good anal- uh, readers of the game, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think I think we've got a fan um, we've got a fan interview for the Middlesbrough game as well. So and Dan, who did that interview said they was really impressed with him so um keep an eye out for that one and i think that there's also over the last month has been a video from tom wilson and you've put an article and some other uh, quite a lot of other content haven't you out martin so there's quite a lot to get in there over that moment there's loads of stuff on there which you can look it's all but if you sign up now you get access to everything that we've done this season so it's not just um future stuff it's everything that we've done and there's a lot of content on there if you're ever bored you can go go through all the bonus pods if you want the maybe a little bit outdated some of the content on there but especially i would recommend the the q a which we did in the recent international break with the quiz yeah that was really that was really fun episode to listen to yeah i'll say very funny it was yeah i had probably the most fun content we put out this season and i really enjoyed it yeah so if that sounds good to you uh then you can go to patreon.com forward slash asaw patreon uh, to sign up there. We will be back tonight um, with a preview of the Middlesbrough game, uh, which will go out for our patrons probably tonight and then on Acast Friday, probably Friday night. Yeah. Um, we'll tr- we've started bringing the Twitter spaces back as well, which, so I will try and get one of those sort of for Saturday. I'm actually at the game, so I won't be able to make that, but I'm, maybe you, Martin, Maybe me and Adam, I think. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that one, but we'll try and do those as much as we can throughout the season. Um, And then we'll be back with a review of that Middlesbrough game on Monday as well. But for now, I will say thank you, Martin. Thank you too, Taldo. Cheers, and thank you too, dear listeners, for listening. And enjoy the Middlesbrough game on Saturday. Bye. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.